Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Walther Radio. As a reminder, you can watch the video of this podcast at waltherarms.com slash waltherradio. We have a phenomenal show for you today. Bill Rapier is going to be our guest. It's going to be awesome, so stick around. Guns, gear, and training tips from the best instructors around the world. Walther Arms presents Walther Radio. Hey guys, this is Chris. Welcome to this episode of Walther Radio. As with all episodes of Walther Radio, this podcast is brought to you by the Walther 30-Day Money Back Guarantee. What that allows you to do is purchase just about any Walther pistol that you like. You can shoot it as much as you want for up to 30 days. And if you decide maybe you don't like it or you wanted a different size or a different color or something like that, you can get a hold of us, send it back. We'll pay for shipping uh, and we'll refund 100% of your purchase price up to MSRP. And we will also cover your sales tax on that as well. So uh, one of the best deals out in the gun industry. Uh, I don't know anybody really that matches it. So if you're curious about shooting a Walther, don't hesitate. We've got your back on your purchase. So moving forward, Walther news. Uh, we do have PDP Pro SD compact magazines are in right now. The full size ones are yet to come here fairly shortly. People have been asking about those for a long time. And now the Pro SD crowd should hopefully be satiated just a little bit. Finally, get some more magazines for your pistols that you bought. It's an excellent, excellent PDP. Uh, comes with the flared magwell, the dynamic performance trigger, and the threaded barrel. So now you guys can also get some additional magazines for those guns, which is fantastic news. Beyond that, do have a new promotion that's coming up. I really want to talk a lot more about it. We'll be able to talk a lot more about it here at the end of the month. But just uh, just letting you know, it's it's pretty cool. And I, I'm excited for everybody to, to get out there and partake in this one. It's going to be a, a big deal, I think. I think it's going to be bigger than our last one. So. That is really all I've got for Walther News. So let's go ahead and get to our guest today. His name is Bill Rapier. He is the owner and lead instructor of American Tactical Shooting Instruction, also known as AMTAC. Uh, also owns AMTAC Blades, which are uh, some very highly sought after, very well-constructed combatives knives. Uh, Bill has recently retired after 20 years in the Navy, where his duty assignments included several years on SEAL Team 3 and over 14 years at the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, or DevGru, where he held all sorts of positions, doing all sorts of awesome, cool guy stuff. He has a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is an incredible family man. He's a model American, and he is lightning fast with a knife. I've seen it myself. Bill Rapier, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Doing great. Of course. How are things up in Idaho? They're good. Uh, we had a very seemed like a very long winter. Actually, the, the first uh, first course that we hosted at our place after kind of after the winter, uh, I was snowmobiling uh, kit up there the week before the class. Um, so we actually weren't even able to drive all the way up. We had to we had to walk about the last quarter mile because there's still a lot of snow, but the snow's gone now. It's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, be beautiful country. Good time of the year. That's that's awesome. So I know you have just finished uh, recently your new training facility. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's been uh, multiple years in the making now. You know, initially it started off as just a you know a live fire range with uh, you know a small flat range with a little bit of a run and gun, um, and then. You know, one of the things that I've wanted to do is, is build a facility where we could teach CQB. Um, you know, I'm all about good mm -hmm. Americans knowing how to protect themselves and their families better. And that is one of the things that guys always say they would like to do. Uh, so, well, now we've got it. So we've got uh, a nice two-story structure, uh, nice lodging area up upstairs. So guys can stay there, kind of chill. Um, in fact, that's been one of the things that guys just said they enjoy the most is just you know, camaraderie and, and hanging out and sitting in front of the fire afterwards. Um, and then we can, we can go downstairs and we can do uh, CQB. Uh, and then also we can do live fire down on our, on our, on the live fire portion of the range. So, uh, and then I can also pull down all the math or all the walls. They're all just uh, movable walls. You know, it's a UTM, you know, simunition facility. Uh, so we can slide all the walls off to the side. I got wrestling mats wall to wall. Um, so we can do, you know, jujitsu or grappling with weapons or, you know, any of those combative stuff where we are going to be smashing each other around. We can do that as safely as you can do it as well. So cool. What kind of classes do you offer? I mean, you have a, a very wide range on your website. It's everything it looks like from pistols and combatives. Like, can you talk a little bit about the classes that you offer and maybe like a bite size, uh, you know, piece of information about yeah, it? Yeah. So 
when when guys always ask me what's your favorite class to teach and and my, the honest answer is the one that I didn't teach last week you know or two weeks ago I, I really enjoy uh, the variety uh, that I get to do um, I think we have four or five different flavors of carbine courses everything from our standard you know combative carbine class where you know we, we go through you know I, I put heavy emphasis on the manip manipulation. Right. So being able to do your strike ready, your low ready presentations, being able to clear malfunctions, switch shoulders, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then we also go through a whole block on, well, you know, what if you do if, if either your rifle says no or, you know, it's not always the right thing. Right. Shooting people is not always the right thing to do. And if if all you're doing is teaching people how to do this right here, um, then well, then that that's the only tool they have. So we, we teach how to fight with it. So we go through a whole safety procedure and we pull bolts and everything, bolts and charging handles and everything live. And then I'll actually um, have guys smashing tie pads with uh, three quarter inch plywood attached to them. So guys can learn how to actually strike with their, with their rifles and then transition as needed to other tools. Wow. Um, so that's a cool, that's a cool class. Uh, we do a hybrid carving course where, basically it's a day of manipulation with the carbine and then kind of a, a, another day of precision rifle light. So it, it's really geared towards one to six, one to eight, one to 10, you know, the, the new LVPOs um, that you can, you know, there's really no downside up, up close doing CQB distance stuff, but then you can also crank it up and shoot six, seven, eight, 900 yards with the thing, you know, depends on you and, and the gun that you've got it set on. So that's some of the carbine stuff we do with the pistol stuff. Uh, probably what we're most known for is the, the integrated combative. So not just shooting a pistol, right? So basically the opposite of the guy that goes, well, I don't need to know how to fight because I carry a gun, right? That's, I, I would say the opposite is true. If you carry a gun, you even more need to know how to fight because it's a huge responsibility, right? If the only answer you have to any violence is lethal force, that's not, it's really not not the best way to approach things. Uh, so all of our classes come at it from a combative perspective of, you know, we want to be well-rounded. We, yes, we want guys to be able to shoot. And that is your, your biggest bang for your buck, right? Is the fastest, the easiest thing to, to get proficient with. Um, but we also want people to be able to throw punches until they can pull their pistol out, right? If it starts with, you know, you getting hit in the back of the head with a pipe, and then as you're, you know, punch drunk and turning around what's going on. Another guy's hitting you from the side, right? I want guys to be able to throw punches and be able to fight from there and pull their pistols out or blades mm -hmm. if, if, if appropriate. Um, you know, the blade piece, something that has come from, from both SAC and Etienne Zakali, but the, it's, it's really, it's when you're up close and when you're in that stand-up grappling range, if you're say my right hand is busy tying up, trying to stop you from pulling your pistol out, my left hand is free. So that the, so the mm -hmm. huge emphasis we have with the integrated combatives is being able to seamlessly transition um, between whatever tool you need, right? So it might be best weapon at the time might be your fists or your elbows or your head. Um, and then your right hand, you know, your strong hand might be tied up doing something else, saving your own life. And, but my left hand's free. So if I can get guys to deploy a lethal tool with what we call their other strong hand, right? We don't, we don't like to say that, that you have a strong hand and a weak hand because mindset matters. So we say you have a strong hand and you have an other strong hand. So as soon as we can get a guy to, to deploy a lethal tool with his other strong hand, man, it's a huge, the, the guy becomes an order of magnitude harder to deal with, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's stand up grappling or grappling, you know, actually on the ground, um, so a lot of our classes are focused on that. Uh, we do have a low light class now as well, where, uh, a, we shoot half the class at nighttime, just with all with uh, both weapons mounted lights and handheld lights. And really, I, I jokingly say that the the name of that class should be you if you're not already, you are going to buy a weapons mounted light and carry it every day after this class, mm -hmm. because we just we shoot drills with uh, with the light in hand and we shoot drills with the weapons mounted light. And everyone shoots about a third faster and more accurately when you have both hands on the gun, you know, so that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Huge thing I try to get guys to do is, Hey, carry a, you know, carry a, a weapons mounted light. Uh, we do a force on force class where uh, we test some of the stuff, right? So we'll still teach hard skills. We'll still go through a, a progression of pistol fundamentals. We'll still teach, 
you know, some of the striking, some of the blade deployment, a little bit of the integrated combatives, but then we actually put guys um, in vehicle, right? We go through our safety, safety protocols to make sure that, you know, that no one is seriously injured in this accidentally. Um, but we go, so we go through a series of safety protocols and then um, we'll do stuff where, okay, what, what if you're in a vehicle and now there's a gun in your face? You know, when, what, what's the, mm-hmm. what's the right thing to do there? And uh, right. And so just putting guys in different situations like that and, and, and seeing, Hey, how, how good is your system, right? Do you have a, what we, you know, a slow draw that actually is concealed, right? Where you can, you know, can you shift your body in a manner where the other guy can't see you pulling a pistol out? Um, so all these mm-hmm. things, you know, little things like that are, they're huge. Uh, and that, that's stuff that we want to, you know, that we want to drill, that we want to practice. So long-winded answer there. No, no, I think that's great. It really spells everything out for everyone. Um, there were a couple of things I wanted to touch on there. Uh, number one, uh, the last time that I saw you, uh, I guess like on the internet, I was watching, I don't know, some gun industry video the other day, and I was watching a thing about the product. I believe it's called the Switchback. You talked about uh, variable power optics. And I was like, that's Bill Rapier in the commercial for that thing right there. Uh, can you talk yeah. about that at all? Like it's that cool new product. Uh, we got, I mean, just a little bit about it, but it looks really sweet. Yeah. So it's super cool. Um, when they, when those guys hit me up about, you know, whether I wanted to be involved in the project, I was, uh, you know, I like those guys. I, I've known them for a while. So I was really, uh, hopeful that it was something cool because if it wasn't, you know, I, obviously I, I can't support stuff that, that, that I wouldn't use myself. And so when they told me mm-hmm. what the idea is, I was like, man, that is awesome. It's actually something that, uh, with another friend of ours within training, uh, Tom Kyer, like we d- discussed a similar type thing years and years ago, you know, never, never went anywhere. So like when, when he told me what it was, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, so I went out and, and, uh, you know, we shot some video and then I actually taught a class with, with the, um, with the scope switch as well. And then I was supposed scope to switch. I'm sorry. I think I said switch so, back. That's my fault. scope switch. Yeah. It's called the scope switch. Scope so, switch. Okay. Um, so then I was like, so I had one and they, they hooked me up with one and, they were like, yeah, we're going to launch in like two weeks. So like we can, you know, like you can use it in this next class. Cause I was teaching out, out in Georgia, like right afterwards. And then like, right before I left, they're like, actually there's a little bit of a delay. So like, don't teach with it. So I had to pull it off. <laughs> but it was funny because in the class, like it just, the device is so intuitive that I found myself during the class, like moving my hand back and forth like this you know, with mm-hmm. that motion that, you know, to, to, to zoom in or, or zoom out. So yeah, it's a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool new, new product. Definitely something that has, uh, I, I think is, is a needed thing for, for industry. So pretty cool to see them do it. Yeah, it looks, it looks incredible. Like I, when I was watching it the first time, I couldn't almost even believe it was real. I mean, it's, um, to be able to just move your hand forward where it's already going to be in position and start, you know, manipulating the zoom on your optic. That's awesome. So um, the second thing I noticed is you were talking about concealed draw. One of the coolest things I saw you do uh, when at the class I got to see you at down in Arizona, you have almost like a magic trick draw where you can divert someone's attention. And then the next thing you know, you've drawn a pistol. And uh, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I've practiced it in front of a mirror several times since then. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little more difficult to do appendix than it is, you know, three, four o'clock like like you carry. But very, very cool thing. Um, if you ever post a video about that, I'd love to reshare it on Instagram. That would be something I think people would really enjoy seeing. So, um, you know, not yeah, telling you what to do, but if you want to make a video about that, that, I'd love to show it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Roger. Yeah, we, cool. we, we can do that. And so guys, what, what he's talking about is, is what we call a slow draw. Again, like I didn't invent this stuff. This comes from SIAC, but basically it's a, right. So you could slow draw in plain sight. A lot of times cops will do that when they see something is developing and Hey, better, better to have hand on gun or better. Let's go ahead and clear retention. You know, but we're, we're still not pointing at anyone. Um, so a slow draw would just be doing that, but doing it in a concealed manner to where the other guy doesn't even see you pulling it out. Uh, and there is some, there's some redirection. There is some magic trick involved, uh, to doing it right. There's, and really there's multiple layers of, of doing it correctly, right? You should try to strive to be as correct as possible. So even if the guy doesn't follow, you know, where you're trying to look and and make him look away, even if he doesn't follow that, he should still be deceived by your draw. Um, but then we add these other things on, uh, these other layers of deception to try and make it sneakier while, while we pull our pistol out. Um, times to use it could be 
you know, the, the example I always give is the, the, the robbery at the diner gone wrong, right? Someone comes in and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just a, they want money. Okay. And then they shoot the waitress. And then next time they look away, you draw. And then next time they look away, you shoot them. You know, obviously you're yeah. in fear for your life and all, all of that stuff as well. Um, but that's way, way safer than just doing the, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to flip the table over. I'm going to do a super do fast two-handed draw stroke that is that is not going to be as fast as the other guy that already has tools out. Mm -hmm. That's very, very awesome to watch. Another thing that stuck with me while we we're out there is how quickly you can deploy a knife. I think we had you at like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, something like that from a beat, from a relaxed position to uh, to deploy your knife. Can you talk a little bit about the, the combatives, the knives, like how you got into doing the knives, what your, what your opinion is on, on knives and the combatives role is. And why yeah, absolutely. So design. I, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot, a lot wrapped in there. So, um, I was introduced to like the, the blade stuff that I do now back in, it was probably 2004, maybe 2005, right around there. And it was with an organization called Sioc. Um, it's a family name, uh, Sioc Collie. And I got, I was active duty and some guys said, Hey, do you want to go down and do this training? Some knife training. And it's, it's pretty serious. And I, I'd been doing jujitsu for a couple of years at that point. And I was like, yeah, that looks cool. And so went down and, you know, fast forward almost 20 years now, uh, I've gotten to be good friends with these guys. I've learned a ton from these guys. Um, basically all of my blade stuff comes either from Sayak or Etienne Zakali. That's one of the similar or sister type system. Um, but basically the, the, where it's, where it's useful for gun guys is, you know, how long does it take you to, to become a proficient boxer, a proficient striker, right? It takes, it takes a while. And then if you, if you punch a guy in the face, that's bigger and stronger than you. He might, if you don't knock him out, he still might overpower you and, you know, take your tools away or finish his draw stroke. So the cool thing about a blade is that, um, it's, it's a, it's a huge equalizer, right? If, uh, say one of my kids, my nine-year-old that I was shooting with on the range today, right? He's, he's pretty stout. He's been wrestling for a few years now. He's, he can actually punch pretty hard. Um, but if we, if he knew all of the fighting techniques that all of my teachers put together, if that they all knew, he still doesn't beat me in a fight mm -hmm. because I'm over a hundred pounds bigger and stronger than him. But as soon as we put a blade in his hand, like I have to respect that because I will die if mm -hmm. someone his size with his level of strength, if he just has willingness, right? If he has commitment and if he can hide, right? If he can hide his tools in here somewhere, oh no, please, please. Right. And he's got his he's got tools out already. Uh, you have to respect that. So it, it adds a huge layer. Uh, I mean, for, for us as gun guys. Right. Because now I can have. Right. So I carry my pistol just slightly four to three o'clock. That's where I found. I, I think it's the best compromise between um, speed, deployability, comfort, like all those things. And then I carry a blade on my other strong side, basically mirror image. So if my right hand is busy doing something, stopping your draw stroke, swimming under hooks, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, my left hand can reach down and pull a blade out very, very quickly. Um, and then on the flip side of that, if my left hand is busy stopping your draw stroke or swimming under hooks or wizarding or, you know, whatever it is I'm doing, my right hand can pull a tool out. And so they really complement each other by being able to deploy lethal tools like that with either hand. So it's a huge, huge benefit also for... You know, it, there's probably less ladies that are going to be listening to this, but but a lot of guys that are listening to this are, you know, husbands and fathers, you know, or have girlfriends that, that they want to protect that uh, maybe are not going to carry a pistol 100% of the time. Well, it's, mm -hmm. it's way easier in, in my experience to get a gal to carry a blade than it is for them to carry a pistol. It's just not as intimidating for them. Um, it fits with the style of dress that a lot of the ladies like to do, right? They're just blades are low profile. They can clip them in on, you know, shorts or yoga pants or whatever it is that they're wearing. Um, and now they have something that really, you know, gives them, I mean, it's, I would rather they carried a pistol, 
but mm -hmm. well, really I'd rather they just carry both, but if they're not going to carry a pistol, right. If, if they can be deceptive during their draw stroke, no, no, please, please don't hurt me. And then they've already got a, a blade in hand. Like they're going to, you know, whoever's attacking them is going to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if, if the woman is, is, is committed. So it's a really good thing for, for the guys listening to encourage, um, the, the, the ladies in your life to, to be able to be capable and be able to carry tools like this, because you can, you can make a huge difference or they, they can, they can protect themselves a lot better if they're carrying tools. So, uh, your most famous, uh, blade style is like the Northman design. And then the, that's had several iterations. Why is that what you landed on is an important design uh, for knives uh, and combatives. So I guess a, just a little bit of the, the, the backstory with that. So uh, one of my good friends uh, who passed away two years ago now, Frank Wendell, um, AKA Northman actual, uh, he had just gone to this blade forging thing uh, with, with Tom Kyer and, he came back and he was all excited about making blades. And so we were talking, we would talk a lot back, back then. And so we, we discussed and it was like, man, wouldn't it be cool? Cause we were carrying fixed or we were carrying fixed blades on our waistlines at this point, but we were carrying, most of us were carrying folders in our pockets, you know, just a, your normal Spyderco or Benchmade or whatever. Um, and so I said, man, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a you know, a small fixed blade knife and kind of describe what the sheath would look like. And, and he was like, yeah, that would be cool. And then, you know, and then we talked about something else and then I didn't think about it for the next couple of weeks. And then like three or four weeks later, a blade showed up, which was, you know, prototype number one of the Northman. And then I would say, oh, all right, well, this, I think this needs to be tweaked. And um, anyways, this went back and forth like this for about a year. And we finally got to a point where I was like, man, this is really cool. I, I don't see anyone else, or at least within my friends that are doing a, a pocket fixed blade knife like that. And so I asked some of my friends, I'm like, Hey, is everyone good with me starting a business with this? And everyone gave me thumbs up like, yeah, go for it. And, and here we are now multiple models later. And, uh, yeah, so, so the idea, so with the Northman, I actually carry the Northman on my strong side in my pocket. So it actually goes below where my pistol is. And, uh, and, you know, originally it was designed as just the cutting tool that you have with you all the time. But because we do combatives, you know, of course we're, I wasn't going to sell a blade that didn't have a training blade to go with it. And so then I'm just teaching normal classes and I've got a, you know, a trainer, a Northman trainer in my pocket. And I just started realizing, man, there's a lot of times where, you know, you're concealed carry guy, you know, you, you go to draw in the middle of throwing a flurry of punches or elbows or whatever, and you miss your draw stroke. Mm -hmm. And that, and it happened, especially like the more layers you have on that stuff can happen. Well, the Northman just sits there. It's actually slightly exposed. It ends up being a faster draw stroke sometimes, especially in the middle of throwing a flurry. Also, it answers the question when say someone has mount on you for the guys that, that roll any of the jujitsu guys or, you know, submission grappling guys out there, someone has mount on you, right? In order to access tools on my waistline, I have to do some jujitsu stuff, right? I got to bump and shrimp and like do some stuff, which as a jujitsu guy, guys can do that. But that is definitely harder than just reaching into my pocket, pulling a blade out and stabbing the guy in the kidney and what we call fatal embrace, right? Because you can go right into a kidney thrust that is going to make the guy basically get as close to you as possible to get off of the blade. And then you can go right into his neck from there. Um, so big advantage for that. And then also for a guy suplexing you from behind, right? So that the, the old wrestler, the guy comes behind you and, and, and starts to pick you up like that. If guys are doing that, good, they're low, they're right on your waistline, which again, makes me have to do a bunch of wrestler or jujitsu stuff, right? I drop my hips, I got to push out, lean, you know, hip forward, lean back, I got to do a bunch of stuff in order to produce tools. Or I start to do all that because I still I don't want to get picked up and tossed. So I still have to drop my weight, I still have to understand this about grappling. Um, but then I reach into my pocket and pull a blade out and thrust the guy right behind me. Um, so there's, there's just a lot. Plus, I mean, uh, another example is just, I can hang out with my hand on a blade and it doesn't look like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just looks like I'm, I'm hanging out like a cowboy with my thumbs in my pockets like that, but really mm -hmm. I'm palming a blade when I'm doing that. So it's just, there's, there's a lot of versatility that comes from having a tool that is mount, that is not on your waistline.
I'm still like the waistline blade, I would say is first, right? The other strong hand blade would be the first one that I would go with um, just because then I can draw with either hand. But that, that, that say, having a blade on your strong side as well that you can access in, in some of these other circumstances, it, it, it answers a lot of questions. Very cool. Um, I mean, I, you sent me one. I really appreciate it. I like it. I use it as much as I can. I use the trainer as much as I can. Obviously, I don't, you know, thrust at my Amazon packages with the real one or anything. But uh, no, I appreciate that. Super cool design. And uh, yeah, it's very, very awesome. So uh, so speaking about gear, I'm personally curious. I, I'd like to hear a little bit briefly about your rifle setup at your old job versus what your rifle setup for you personally is now and why any of those things had changed if there were any differences. Yeah. So the, the majority of my time, uh, I, that I was actually operating, I was running a recce rifle. So it was just, it was a, a 16 inch accurate, um, AR that, that our gunsmiths would work over. Right. So I, I believe we were putting Lalja barrels on them at the time, one and eights. Um, they had read night quad rails on them. Uh, and then we had night four soon after tens with initially we had J points on top and then those just did not hold up. And then we had doctor sites on top. And then when the, when the T1s came out, then we started putting T1s on top. And so I had that for the majority of the time. And then when we got 416s, I had a 416. And by, by the time I left the command, every one of my, so my 10 inch, my 16 inch and my SR, they all had, they were all set up exactly the same. So I'd had two and a half to 10 night force, um, with a T1 sitting on top of it on, on every gas gun I own, just because it's such a versatile, you know, to have a setup like that. And, you know, and then now with the, you know, one to one to six, one to eight, one to tens LVPOs, it's, it's just even, they're even better now. Um, but it's, it's a very versatile setup like that when, when you can do that. Um, now I will run either. So I, I run Centurion arms rifles now. Um, Monty's an old friend and old teammate of mine. So I'll run his either 16 inch, uh, or 14 and a half inch with pinned and welded, um, you know, surefire three prongs on there. Um, that is one of the things that I, that I put a lot of emphasis on is having a good flash suppressor. Um, so either surefire three prong Smith vortex, four prong, the AC three prong, or the B Myers four prong, like something that actually eliminates your muzzle flash. If you know, if you have a 16 inch gun and the right ammo, it will eliminate the muzzle flash. And, uh, I, I put a lot of value on that because if not, I mean, if you're, if you're shooting at nighttime, every time you pull the trigger, you give away your position. If you have a good flash suppressor, you don't. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I would never put a comp on a, on a gas gun because I, I don't think it's worth the, the added uh, visual signature for the fraction of a second that you gain for your follow-up shot for a work type rifle. Um, and then I'm, I'm either running LVPOs or, or T1s or T2s generally. Like that's kind of the, you know, for, for red dot side, I like the T2s the best. Um, and then for LVPOs, it's going to be any of the either one to sixes, one to eights or one to tens. So going back to the flash suppressor thing, um, that has nothing to do with you using an actual like suppressor or silencer, whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you just, you really believe in reducing your signature that much. Is that because of things that you have seen in your, in your past? Like, have you seen signatures be given away and you're like these, you know, there's fire coming from over there. So that became more important to you or how did you come across that? Well, I mean, if you're, so first off, my, my paradigm of fighting was almost a hundred percent was done at nighttime. Right. So that was a really big deal for us to have to, to have a low visual signature. Um, so if I mean, yeah, if, when the enemy's shooting at you like that might be all that you see. Right. Especially if when they're shooting back, if we're engaging and they don't have night vision, then that might be the only thing that they see is is the visual signature from your muzzle flash. So if you think that you might be on a two way shooting range, you should not have. Like, you you should not have a low end flash suppressor because it's really important that uh, that you're not seen. I mean, I, I'll do it just on you know during during classes if it's just slightly overcast, like midway through a carbine class, I'll be like, all right, guys, everyone stop. I want you to do just a you know ten seconds. Tell me the rifle you're shooting, the length of the barrel and the ammo and the flash suppressor on the end of it. And then just send five rounds as fast as you can. And you'll see the difference is just amazing. 
between a guy, you know, with a shorty, someone shooting either, you know, an SBR or in the back in the, in the, in previous years shooting, you know, shorty pistols. Um, and, you know, with, with a good flash suppressor versus guys, even guys shooting a 16 inch gun with a, with a giant compensator on the thing. And it's like, number one, you're being super rude to the guy next to you, right? Cause you're just <laughs> blasting that dude. But also, man, those things are breathing fire. And, and the AR platform, it does not recoil that much. Um, so like, I get it. If guys, are, if, if you're, you know, if, if you're competing and, and, you know, hundreds of a second add up, sure. Like, but throw a comp on, um, if you're doing this to protect yourself and your family, then have a flash suppressor on there. Mm -hmm. Are you not a suppressor, like a, uh, or a silencer fan at all? You don't run one typically. Oh, I like, I like suppressors. I just, uh, there's. Yeah, I mean it's a muffler, but mm -hmm. the organization involved with uh, with dealing with the mufflers they come and kill you if 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 you screw stuff up. So, <laughs> like, um, your dog. if 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 they if they didn't if 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 they didn't do that, I would have mufflers on all of my guns. Sure, I mean, gotcha. Like, yeah. So, gotcha. Well, uh, that kind of brings us to our topic today. Um, you know, you're talking about uh, equipment choices and things that. Uh, you personally believe in and things that you use because of things that you, you know, you, you saw a necessity for them in your, in your past. And you and I had had a brief conversation before the podcast uh, on the phone about let's talk about things that are actually important that people don't typically get much experience in. And, you know, a lot of people like to buy gear because it's really fun. It's very accessible uh, and you can buy a little bit of performance here and there, but there is performance that you can't buy. And, uh, and that is physical fitness. Do you want to talk a little bit about like your belief in physical fitness as it relates to being a good gun owner and a good trainer and protector? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, physical fitness is one of the, I really, I would put it as probably the number one thing that you can do, um, on the preparedness side. So when we talk through the, um, the readiness formula, right, we have awareness, we have willingness and preparedness. Preparedness is the nuts and bolts, the things that we're actually doing, um, to be as ready to go as possible. Uh, fitness is the number one thing that I put on there. Uh, if you're not in shape, I mean, pick, picture this, you are doing yard work, right? It's 80 degrees outside and you decide to plant some fruit trees in your backyard, and you're not used to digging holes in the ground for three hours straight and mulching and doing all this stuff. So you've been doing that. And then you hear your child scream in the front yard. And now you're, you know, you're, you're sunburned, you're tired. And now you have to sprint from your backyard to your front yard and see as your kid is getting into a vehicle. Right. Is, is it your kid's friend that, you know, just showed up with uh, a new, you know, the dad, had, you know, your buddies with, with the guy and it's a new vehicle, or is it someone that is out to hurt your child, right? If it's someone that's out. So first off, I need to be able to get there fast. If I'm out of shape, I can't even get from the backyard to the front yard fast enough, right? What if, you know, never, never mind, you know, the, the, the little latches that you might have to do to go from, you know, fr from your backyard and, and cross over, right? So you've got to be able to do that. Some of that takes a little bit of fine manipulation, right? So you need to be able to do that. Then what if, then I need to be able to cognitively take it all in and go, okay, is this like, is this a lethal threat to my daughter? And I need to pull my pistol out and shoot this guy. Or is it her friend that, that showed up, right? That it's the, it's the van, right? You always say your daughter's getting into a van and then you go a little bit further and it's her, you know, it's one of her girlfriends and she got a new puppy dog and they're both screaming with joy, mm -hmm. right? Or, or it's the guy that wants to hurt your kid that is running, you know, that is, is going to hurt her. Right. And we need to be able to make that distinction very, very quickly. And then if I'm out of shape, right. Can you make that credit card shot or that right eyeball shot? Right. The guy, now the guy's holding her and like, no, like shielding can, can you make that shot? Right. So, so being in shape is huge. Um, also it'll just give you a better quality of life. I mean, if you can't go outside and go for a hike with your kids, well, then you can't hike with your kids. And that's right. That's, that's pretty important to be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, or go throw a ball with them or, or anything like that. Um, you know, so it, you'll live longer if you're in shape, you'll have a higher quality of life if you're in shape. 
And you'll also beat more people, both shooting and fighting, if you're in shape, right? I mean, we want to be as strong. I would say, number one, we want to be healthy. Then we want to be strong. And then we want to have endurance. That's okay. how I would do it. And, and you have to balance the strength and endurance piece. Like, right, you don't want to, right, powerlifters are amazingly strong. But what I want to be ready for, I want to be able to grab my rifle and run three miles and then still do work. Mm-hmm. And guys that are going too far, right? I mean, it's, it's the danger with any one of the disciplines. You can nerd out too far into any of the disciplines and fitness is the same or elements of fitness are the same, right? To where it becomes counterproductive to what you're doing. Um, so yeah, I want to be healthy. I want to be strong and I want to have endurance. Um, that, I mean, think about this. You're, you're in a situation where it's escalating. Maybe, Maybe you are in a, maybe you could have actually shot this guy. Like maybe you would be justified in shooting this guy. But you saw this guy start to draw, and you just put your hand on top of his gun hand while he was drawing. You pushed him back into a vehicle and you pounded him in the face with your elbow five times, and he went unconscious. Your life is way better than mm-hmm. if you pulled a pistol out and shot the guy. Right? I mean, because now that I mean, and the other guy's life is definitely way better. He gets another chance at life, right? You're not tied up in court for the next five years, right, sure. or two years, or wh- however long it is. Um, you don't have all the stress that goes with that. You don't have, but if you're not, if you're not in shape, if you're not strong, if you can't fight, you might not have that option. The only option to you might be go to guns, burn them down. That mm-hmm. might be the only thing that you can do because you don't have that physical ability. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing that I encourage you guys to do is, is go out there, get after it, be, be in shape. Um, it is a, it's a great quality of life thing. If you can, you know, if you can actually enjoy being out, I mean, I, I got to mountain bike today for about an hour and a half and it's awesome. I got, I, I love it. I get out there, I get to burn some calories, try and keep the, try to try to keep the gut off and, uh, you know, and, 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 and get stronger while I'm doing it. So you don't have, um, like if, if somebody was asking you for advice saying like, look, man, I've got X amount of time in a day. Should I focus on weightlifting or should I focus on cardio and, and endurance and things like that? Would you put cardio then maybe a little bit above getting as big as possible? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't get, I mean, unless you're, a, unless your goal is to win a bodybuilding competition, I wouldn't, I would never put a goal of just getting as big as possible on there. Now, if you're a grown man and you're 140 pounds, yeah, like I would say you, pr- you probably should. I mean, just because there is, you know, weight is absolute, right? There's no weight classes in, you know, on, on the street. So there is a, you know, maybe you should focus a little bit more on lifting and on, on some extra protein shakes in order to like bulk up to maybe 150 or 160, you know, because, and, and because probably a guy that's like naturally 140 or 150, like it's, he's probably going to have an easier time keeping weight off. He's probably gonna have an easier time running for his whole life than I will ever. Right. Because I'm, right. you know, I'm coming in at, at two fifteen. Um, you know, for me, it's, I gotta, I gotta hit the cardio, uh, to make sure that I do keep the weight off. Right. So for me, like I'm, I'm lifting and, and doing calisthenics between once and twice a week. And then I'm trying to run twice a week and I'm trying to ride twice a week. Uh, that's, that's for me. Um, and that will change though, too. Like as you know, as we get into ski season again, later this year, like the, the riding will get replaced with backcountry skiing and downhill skiing. Um, I'll still generally try and run. Uh, there's, there's times where I'll go through phases and I'll do more, you know, more strength stuff, you know, down in, in my little gym where I'm doing more, you know, more pull-ups, more deadlifts, more squats, more striking workouts as well. Like that's another one. I love, love doing the, the old boss rooting workouts where he calls out combos and, you know, boss doesn't get tired when he calls combos out. You do, um, you know, but, but he sets the pace. So it's a good, uh, I've, I really have enjoyed those, you know, so I'll, I'll cycle a little bit with, you know, with, you know, as I get in into into one thing a little bit more than than another, or if we've got a really good snow year, like I might try and do just I'm going to try and backcountry ski every day, you know, and just throw throw mm-hmm. skins on and you know actually make a little schemo course where I'm having to rip skins and like you know boot pack up the side of a hill and then put you know and then go into downhill mode, ski down something, shoot something. Um, you know, I enjoy combining some things is 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 good as well. 
I've got a little course set up right now where we got about a half mile run through through some canyons and you know jumping over logs and stuff and then and then a nice little uh, rifle and or well depends on how good you are with the pistol um, <laughs> pistol course as well yeah depends on what you're carrying right SD Pro um, there you go but yeah like with with uh, yeah with you can do the rifle course with the pistol if you run the right pistol that's right um, so. You know, just doing stuff like that, like get getting after it. So, so I wouldn't just say, "Hey, do you know?" Only do one thing. I would say, get do a you know, take a healthy, holistic approach to getting in shape. There's no use in like, oh, get stronger, get stronger, get stronger, and then you tweak your shoulder, and then you're out of the gym mm-hmm. for two months, and then you come back and you're a little bit weaker than you were when you started, and then you get stronger, get stronger, get stronger, and then you hurt yourself again. So you have, I mean, part of getting older and, and continuing to do this as we age is being smarter. And, you know, I mean, like when I came up, I remember it was always give me one more. Everything was the failure and the negatives and negative failure, like which was all bodybuilding stuff. Uh, now, you know, so that so the motto there was give me one more. Now my motto is one less. Right. OK, if I can do a couple sets of squats. And if I'm like, if I'm on my last set of squats and I'm trying to do sets of five and I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm struggling with this. I'll do one less Mm -hmm. because it's way, way better for me to do one less, not fail, not hurt myself. And then come back, you know, the next day or two days later and I'm stronger Mm -hmm. than hurt myself. And then I'm, then I'm out at least from that particular exercise for a while. That's another thing you have to learn is when you do get hurt, just immediately go to a different setup. Right. If running, if you if you hurt yourself running, start rowing or start riding your bike or you know, do something, do something that's different. You have to keep doing something because it's it's way, way harder to just quit PTing altogether and then start from zero again. That's good advice. I, I am curious, you know, we're talking about uh you, you mentioned it briefly there a second ago. There's people who where guns are their only tools. Like that's the only tool in their tool belt if it comes to some kind of violent confrontation. Uh, physically, they might not even be able to hold off an attacker if they were going to be using a knife or they were needing to go hands-on. Physically, they wouldn't have the ability to do so. Have you seen any like light bulb moments in any of your combatives classes or anything like that or any of your past uh, hand-to-hand training where you saw someone whose mantra might have been like, oh, I don't need jujitsu. Oh, I don't need hand-to-hand combat skills because I'll just shoot a guy. Have you seen any instances where that person maybe learns the hard way? like in simunitions or anything like that? Two, okay, two examples that come to mind. Um, and they were, none of them were, had, had to do with Sims, but one guy was was very, uh, was teaching a class a couple of years ago. And, you know, as, as it's one of the things I enjoy about teaching is you, you get to you get to look at your students, read the students. And I mean, there's times when I'm like, I, I'm picking out the guys that I think like are not convinced. And I'm looking at everyone else, but I'm teaching to that one guy. And so there was a guy that was like, I think less bought into what I was saying. And I don't, you know, I don't travel with an assistant, you know, so if I want to demo something on someone, I'm just like, Hey, come here. So this dude just happened to be the guy that was standing there. And I'm like, okay, so if you're trying to stop him from this and I like, I'm like, I'm, you know, I push him against this, this car and like bend him, fold him backwards. And I'm pulling my pistol out while I'm doing it. And all of a sudden his whole demeanor changed. Like after that was like, Oh, like, how do I do that? You know, like the, the whole, whole demeanor changed. And, you know, and that's just sometimes guys need, right. We all learn differently. Some guys need to actually feel in order to, you know, otherwise just as like, Oh yeah, that looks interesting. Like, I bet you I can beat you there. And then you, and then you show something and it wasn't anything competitive. It was just, you know, I wasn't being violent with the guy. I was just driving him backwards and showing him, Hey, this is what I'm talking about here. And it really changes demeanor. The other one um, that, that really specifically gets into using your tools is I've, I've got a student, great guy, he's in a wheelchair and we were throwing elbows. He's coming down a bunch of classes with me. We're throwing elbows. And I remember just going, stop we're not going to do, you're not going to do elbows because you're not right. You have in order to hit someone hard, you have to be rooted to the ground. And when you're on wheels, you're not rooted to the ground. So we just, I was like, all right, stop. We're, like, let's talk through how, like, how are we going to set this up? Because you throwing elbows is not doing anything. What you need to be able to do 
is you need to be able to pull a pistol out with either hand and also a blade out with either hand. And we just went through on his wheelchair, like, all right, we're going to put blades here. He already, you know, carries serious tools. I'm like, we need to add probably a snubby 38 to your left hand so that you, you know, you should be able to with, with either hand, because you're not, you know, because and, and, and it's going to happen to all of us. As we get older, our punches aren't going to be as strong anymore. Our takedown mm-hmm. defense isn't going to be as strong anymore. Right. So this is something that we all have to, to think about as we age and become less physically capable. Um, hey, wh- where am I going to you know, where am I going to have my tools and can I deploy tools from all the you know, from from different situations? Um, so I think, you know, both of those are, are just good, good examples of maybe a guy's eyes being open to the need to be physical while you're drawing and then also you know, sometimes you're not physical anymore. And then, then you just need to be able to pull tools out very quickly um, from any position with either hand. Yeah. I think it's interesting being in the kind of the gun space. It's, it is a very uh, masculine area and a lot of guys will kind of overestimate. And uh, I've, I've got to see a couple different, I haven't got to see one of yours yet. I still want to make it up to your, uh, your new facility there to see one of your combatives classes, but I've got to uh, shoot content and stuff like that at a few different combatives classes. And it's always really easy to see, you know, the, the type of guys are just like, oh, you know, no, it's just like punch the guy in the face or I can draw faster than that person could approach me yeah. or whatever. But like even the draws that people practice, they don't seem to be rooted in reality. And that's one thing that I wanted to bring up about you is that there's a there's kind of an adage in the gun, you know, like Instagram type of world where it's like, oh, well, you know, there's people who say I'm a defensive minded shooter and that's not a real thing because shooting is shooting. And uh, to some degree, I, I think that that is true. Shooting is shooting, picking out targets, visual, uh, your visual acuity and things like that is shooting. Um, but I do believe that there's a way that you can train and you exemplify this it, where your, your draw, for example, when someone says hands relaxed, you're not gaming anything by doing a hands relaxed draw. You can see some of this on your Instagram. Um, and I'll let you plug that here in a little bit, but you are in a totally relaxed position. You carry not appendix, which is almost anymore, especially on social media. That's not super common. It seems like almost everyone's gravitating towards appendix, but you are able to attain a level of speed and proficiency and consistency with a totally relaxed looking draw. It doesn't look like you're about to shoot at all. You're able to like even get into a stance at the beep. You kind of kick one foot back. You, you know, you, you gain a more rigid uh, structure stance. You're able to clear your garment and you're able to put down times and scores on all of the drills that we shot together way faster than most people could do it from appendix gaming their draw. Um, why is it important to you to train in a way that is more realistic than what most people are doing these days? Yeah. And that's such a good, uh, such a good topic. Uh, it really, it, it blends in. Why are we doing this to begin with? Right. Most guys, they start off doing this because they want to protect themselves and their families. And then somewhere along the line, they get into, man, I like going, you know, I like going and shooting matches on the weekend, which is great. Like I'm not anti-shooting matches. I used to shoot matches. Like they're great. You will get good at shooting fast and accurate if you shoot matches. Um, but then guys will take stuff from that that is not good and, and apply that to their, to their lives. Like we don't, we don't shoot drills to be good at a drill. As much as I, you know, I like nerding out on drills sometimes and seeing how, how can I do this? And I've got to stop myself because like when I, when I'm trying to shave fractions of a second off, like I start to like dig in my toe, you know, I start to get into that good aggressive fighting because, well, you save time when you do that. If there's less movement that you have to do, you save time, which I, so I get, I understand why guys do that. I don't want to take away from, you know, guys that enjoy, you know, doing competitive shooting. It's a, it's a good thing to do. Um, but you have to go back and go, why am I doing this? And if the, if the reason for doing this is to be able to protect yourself and your family best, then, then what are you doing? Why are you starting from, from this position or starting, you know, every, every draw stroke from leaf position. And also another thing, I'm not anti loaded positions, right? I will come to loaded positions frequently. If I think there's problems, I will come to a loaded position for guys that don't know loaded position would be. For, for me, it would be like I might hook my thumbs underneath my shirt on my belt and I'm kind of just standing there, you know, thumbs in my belt like a cowboy. Right. So that's 
that would be a loaded position for me. For appendix shooters, a loaded position a lot of times is leaf position. So they're, they're folding their hands like this, right? And they're, they're grabbing onto their shirt. So I'm not against doing that. What I'm against is if you're chasing, you know, the hundredth of a second. And, and this is hard for me to say because first shot from concealment is one of the most important things. But I don't think that you're always going to realize, hey, it's, it's, it's going down, right? It's like the bank robbery in process. And I'm like, assume the position, go, right? And then, I, and then I jump into it. It's good. You should, if this is what you're into, you should be able to do that. That's a great skill. You should be able to do that. But I think the more, the more likely is it starts with you getting pushed or punched or something like that, right? A fist fight turns into a gunfight, right? Or, or you got hit in the, you know, in the back of the head with a brick. And as you're coming to and you're getting stomped, now you're having to pull your pistol out while this is going on. Um, as soon as you start doing integrated combatives, two-handed draw strokes is not good <laughs> anymore. Mm -hmm. Because now if... If I can punch or push on your face and pull my pistol out at the same time or pull my blade out if I'm doing it with my, with my other hand, that's a huge advantage for me. Versus if you have to do a two-handed draw stroke, you have to go punch, 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 stop fighting, draw, shoot. And so what I try to get guys, whether you're deploying a pistol or a blade, is I want you to continue fighting while you're deploying a tool. And it's much harder to do that, right? I mean, you... There are guys that will, you know, in the middle of, of a strike, they're clearing their, their garment, you know, and then they're going back to a fight. But it's harder to do if you're trying to do that with two hands than if you're just you're able to do a one handed draw stroke. Right. You're able to punch the guy, you know, jab, cross, hook, grab onto him, collar tie, pull my pistol out, pelvic girdle shots. Right. And if it takes me a split second longer to, to clear my cover garment, okay, well, I can I can elbow him again off of that collar tie or I can headbutt him off of that collar tie. Right. I can do something else. And if I can't clear my pistol, I'm gonna let go of the collar tie and I'm gonna throw something else. And and then either reattack the pistol or reattack the blade. But yeah, super, super important to be able to um you know, train for don't train for the drill, right? We have drills. Drills help us to be better at life, right? And this is, you know, you can, and, and I feel like I, when I was at work, there was times when I would get sucked in and like start to, start to go down rabbit holes too much, you know, whether it was, you know, the early days of UFC and I'm like watching guys, you know, with the guys from my school and we're like, man, like we're better jujitsu guys than a lot of these guys rolling, right? Not the case anymore, but was in the early years. Um, Right. Or whether, you know, I had, I had friends that got really into skydiving. Right. Or I got really into shooting. And it's like with each one of those things. You always have to go back to why am I doing this? I'm doing this to be better at my job. My job now is to protect myself, my family, the people in my community, be able to teach that, be able to convey that information, be able to make other guys able to protect themselves and their families. Um so while it would be nice to just nerd out and 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 just focus on on one aspect of it, I really feel like you you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to be able to fight. You have to be able to throw hard shots. You have to be in shape. You have to be able to move. You have to be healthy, and then you still also need to be able to shoot well, right? So it's it's uh, it can be frustrating at times because, uh, you know, I want to be the fastest at everything. I want to win at everything. And there's some things where I just have to go, well, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze for me to invest this much time into something that, that I think has less, less importance. Yeah. One of our uh, first podcasts, it was our very first podcast episode was with a friend of, well, both of ours, Bill Blowers. And the topic of that one was, you know, what is good enough? And a lot of people, it seems like now are measuring themselves by, you know, X drills time, you know, their, their time on X drill or this drill, that drill or whatever. But then we started like, when, when are you good enough? It was, it had, it had to be based off of your lifestyle. And again, like why you were choosing to carry, you had to kind of define success for, for your lifestyle. And, uh, I guess that my, my question for you is, are you good enough? Like, are you where you want to be? Or is there always work to be done? Oh, you've never arrived. I think as, as soon as you say, oh yeah, I'm good enough. Um, you stop training. No, never. I'll never be good enough. Um, you know, there's always, I mean, there, there's the, I guess there's, it's, it's on, it's on two levels. There's, 
I'm good enough that I'm not going to stop everything that I'm doing and just go like go into a deep training session because I'm horrible. Right. So I'm, I'm good enough to not need to do that, but I'm never good enough. Like I'm always going to be wanting to learn more. I'm always, you know, I, I tell guys, Hey, you know, you should have, first off, you should realize that how you roll is a system, right? Every, how you carry your pistol, what pistol you carry, like all the tools that you carry, like that's part of your system. You should be fully convinced that you have the best system out there. It should also be an open system, i.e. I've had students on the range go, hey, why don't you do it this way? I'm like, show me that again. One more time. If it's better, guess what? Part of my system now, hmm. right? I'll give guys credit for it forever. But if there's something better out there, why would I do something that's not better? Like, why would anyone do, if you're doing this for martial application, martial meaning warlike, right? And, and you protecting yourself and your family, that, those are warlike skills. Why would you not do something that is, if you know so that something is better, why would you not do it that way? Um, yeah, so I am definitely constantly looking for if there, if there is something better than is out there, I want to do it. Um, I think you have to be careful with some of the new stuff as it comes out. Like you see something, you might be wowed by it initially. That's why we have a tribe of guys, right? Guys that you're tight with, guys that you trust. And you say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? This looks kind of cool. Looks like a good idea to me. What do you guys think? Right. And then you throw it out to your tribe and they say, yeah, that looks good. Or yeah, it looks good. But here's a potential problem that I see with running a system and incorporating this into it. Um, so, yeah, always, you know, you've never arrived. Don't ever, you know, don't ever think that. Um, always be, you know, always be striving, always be hungry, always try to, um, you know, achieve achieve that next level. What would you say to somebody who's interested in taking a combatives class, but they think maybe I'm not physically fit enough to do this? Um, maybe, you know, they, I don't want to get my butt kicked in front of a bunch of people. Maybe that's what it is. Um, do you, I'm sure you've dealt with students like that uh, or potential students like that. What do you say to that person? Number one, sign up for a class and then tell all of your friends that you signed up for the class. That way you can't back out of it and then train to get in shape. Don't do it the other way around and go, oh, I'm going to train and get in shape and then I'll sign up because then you have excuses, right? Sign up for the class first, tell people that you're going to sign up for the class and then you show up in whatever shape you show up. Um, but it, it, there's, there's a lot more skin in the game when you, right, you, you, you're putting it on the line, right? Uh, I mean, I, my hat's off to guys that, that, that do show up. I mean, I tell guys to be in shape, but sometimes some dudes will show up and they're, they're not in, in the best possible shape and, and they're still getting after it and they're trying. And like, there's, I mean, really any guy that even comes to a class is putting part of his, at least his perceived reputation on the line. Cause you know, all of us think we're better than we are. And, you know, and, and for whatever reason, guys, guys and, and any of the fighting things, you know, any of the fighting arts, guys generally have a lot more ego that, that goes with that. Um, and so just showing up and being like, OK, like, I, you know, you're you're probably not going to be the best guy when you show up at a class. Um, and that's fine. Like I. Man, I, I, I don't get to roll with with super good guys a whole lot anymore. Once or twice a year, I get to roll with guys that are, are better than me. And, the, and I get crushed and it's awesome because I learn, right? That's, if I could do that every day, I would do that. Um, yeah, so I, I would say go, you know, lay, lay it out there, put it, put it on the line a little bit, so, sign up for a class and, you know, do, do some, you know, follow a good program, get in shape, um, but go get out and train. Would you say that person stands to learn the most out of all the students? Absolutely. Your first, I mean, your first couple times of doing integrated combatives classes is your steepest learning curve because you're, you know, you guys, guys continue to learn as they, you know, come back year after year, but it's that, that first time of learning how to strike. And then if your left hands, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a right-handed shooter, your left hand's free and being able to get a blade out and then, and then continue working, continue fighting, um, you know, and then, and, or pulling a pistol out as well. Like, man, that's, that's huge. I mean, I, like that guy is, is hard to deal with on day two, that guy is mm -hmm. like you, in order to beat a guy that, that could do that, you can't just stop and be like, okay, uh, that, you know, you have to be very, very violent and, and run through people. If, if guys can actually deploy to, you know, it's easy as a, as a grappler, it's easy for me to isolate one arm. Right. But 
both both of their arms super hard to stop someone from drawing well uh, i think one of the last things i want to bring up here uh, because it really changed the way that i treat every training session now uh, since i got to hang out with you last year um, you have a cold start drill um, but it's not really a, a drill it's more of like a scenario and uh, now the first you know one two three rounds that i fire every practice session is, is dedicated to this so uh, would you be willing to share with everyone what that is and what the what the yeah. time for it is and what the set distance for it is? Yeah, so a cold bore drill, uh, th that term cold bore comes from sniper or recce use. Uh, it's the first shot of the day. It might be the only shot that you get. It's the most important shot. You only get to do one, right? I Pretty much every other thing that I do, I will, like I don't accept failure. <laughs> like I'll, I'll do makeup shots. But on a cold bore drill, all you get is one. Uh, and so when I'll set this up in, in class, I basically I'll start everyone off at about 25 yards. We do it one guy at a time with everyone watching. And we do that on purpose because it makes it more. Uh, it pressurizes it more. Right. I can't I can't create that kind of pressure even for myself. I can't create that kind of pressure when I'm by myself. Right. Because I have students watching me. If I screw this up, I might actually not be able to feed my family as well. Right. If I totally just shame myself and my family doing a drill, um, right, maybe no one shows up anymore. And then. Right. So there's there's I have skin in the game when I'm doing this. Um, so I'll start off about 25 yards out or so um, with my back facing the target. It's a normal Ipsic target. And I'll tell guys, all right, you're you're at a park with with your family. And I'll, I'll ask them to visualize, you know, a, a member of their family. You know, if they're younger, it might be a mom or girlfriend. Um, if guys are older, it might be their kid or their grandkid. Um, and so you're facing away, you're chatting with other members of your family and you hear your child scream. So what do we do when we hear a kid scream? We, we turn around, we look, see what's going on. No, don't turn and draw because that's not what we do. We turn and look and see what's going on. And then we see, okay, there's a guy that is holding a blade to my child's throat. The only way this is going to get solved is by you putting a round in the credit card. You can do whatever you want to at this point. You can you could draw and shoot at 25. Um, I want to see someone do that. Um, or, you know, or you can work in. I've had I've literally had hundred dollar bills from students flying across the range because guys are like, look, you know, like they're trying to do some, you know, some sort of a draw. And um the what I found to be the best solution is I pull my pistol out right away and then I have from from where I start until when I break the shot to show the guy how reasonable I am. And so I just start walking towards, Hey buddy, just, just put her down. It's going to be okay. Just put her down. What can I do to make this right? Like, can I give you my car keys? Right. Trying to ask questions, make the guy think a little bit. And then I get within, you know, wherever five to seven where I'm like, okay, I'm 99% certain that I'm not going to miss this shot. And then generally I'll take one more step because, you know, don't want to shame myself and my family. And and then I'll just go into a mantra like, hey, buddy, it's going to be OK. It's going to be all right. Just calm down. It's going to be shot breaks. Um, and man, I've had I've walked back with guys and they're like, oh, they're like shaking. <laughs> you know, They're like, man, that was like I, that. That was that sucked. Like, you know, but they like it um, yeah. because it's it's hard. Right. It's it. And it's so putting mental pressure. I mean, and here's the thing. It's actually not hard. But when you allow yourself to think about it and then you have you have guys watching you and now you have to talk and shoot at the same time, that's another thing. It's way, way harder to talk and shoot at the same time than it is just to just to not say anything. Um, so that's a that's a good cold board drill to do if you don't have the whole time or you don't have the, the distance to do that. Just just start off with either a credit card shot, you know, from seven yards or, or a two inch circle, something like that. Um, and just hit or miss. That, that That's what you get. Um, so yeah, doing, doing some sort of cold board drill is really, really good. I think the important part about it too, is that it, it brought back into scope. You know, why did I start doing this? You know, I go out and I would do gamer drills. You know, we had fun blasting out in the desert there for, uh, you know, however long a good time. we were out there. It was a great time, but it was all, you know, like, oh, fast drill. I did it in, you know, 450 or, or whatever it was. And, um, but, you know, like a lot of people, like most people, I think almost all people start carrying a handgun because they want to protect themselves, their family, their loved ones. And uh, the way that you, you know, you, you played this theater of the mind uh, by putting me in that situation be like, now it's important. Like all that stuff that you did, like, you know, you missed 10 shots on the fast roll contest or whatever. 
um, you can't miss this. And line breaks don't count with Bill Rapier. Is that correct? No line breaks. It so, depends. Yeah, it depends. Okay. <laughs> it there's, depends. Okay. There's been... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes line breaks count. Um, well, I would tell, I, I feel like that day line breaks didn't count because I broke the line and you were like, sorry, man, like she's gone. And I was like, oh, man, I just totally fell apart. Um, putting yourself under that pressure and and really kind of re-realizing why you started caring was was just a super cool thing that I wasn't expecting to learn that day with you. So I really appreciated that. And it's really, like I said, it's followed me back home uh, to the range. Like now I make sure that I have like a little bit, part of my training session every time will now, is now putting myself under like, you know, a, a scenario type pressure like that and making sure that I can do what I'm there to do and why I keep trying to get better. And, uh, I just, I thought that was super cool. I wanted to hear you talk about it again. So appreciate you talking about that awesome. on here, but, uh, where can people go to learn more about Bill Rapier and Amtac? So amtacshooting.com. That's, so it's short for American tactical shooting instruction. So alpha Mike tango, alpha Charlie shooting, uh, that is our, uh, that's our, our training website. And then for our blades company, it's amtechblades.com. Um, we're also with, with both of those names on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Awesome. And you have several instructors teaching classes as well, correct? Yes. We have four instructors now, uh, Amtech shooting instructors that are, are teaching classes all, all over as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun watching the, you know, the, the, I didn't think I'd enjoy the business side of it, but I, I do. It, it's it's a cool it's a cool dynamic. It's good. All all the guys that teach for me, they're not, uh, they're they're not random guys that I can get to fill the job. They're all guys I've trained with a lot. They're all guys that I share you know common values with. Um, they're all tough guys that 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 can shoot and fight and, uh, um, and it's it's very clear uh, if if you go on our website who's teaching the class. Um, uh, that was one of the things that, that as, as we transitioned over to, to having multiple instructors, I wanted to be very clear that, Hey, it'll, you know, it'll have a picture of me if I'm teaching, it'll have a picture of the other instructors when, when they're teaching, but yeah, definitely come, you know, come out, shoot a class with us, um, with any of our guys, you'll get, you'll get a ton out of it. Um, yeah, just a combatives approach to, uh, to shooting and fighting and, and blade work. Awesome. Obviously love having you on the defense division. We're super glad that you, you know, you like us enough to, to shoot our stuff and uh, to represent us as well as you do. We, uh, we will be sure to have you back another time. We'll have another great topic. Um, you know, many, many things and we'd be excited to hear about all of them. So thank you, Bill, for coming by and looking forward to, to it soon. Thank you. Thanks buddy. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Walther radio. Be sure to subscribe. So you never miss an episode. At Walther Arms, it's our duty to create the world's best performing firearms. It's your duty to be ready. Thanks again for listening.